0: Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah, a guide through trauma, personal healing, growth, and discovery leading to the ultimate life of joy, mental wellness, and less fear. As a single mother, certified coach in transitional change and adventure, I will share my personal traumas and help you with steps to be free of whatever internal or external chains are keeping you from enjoying this life. My guests and I go beyond the typical conversation as they share their inspirational journeys, and every other week, I bring you my solo episodes where I highlight issues or ahas that I know you are going through too. From relationships, aspirations that have seemed impossible, motherhood, friendships, work, transitions, inertia, depression, my wish is this forum can help you through all of this and more. My mission is to create a supportive community and connection that empowers each one of you to love yourself and believe your right to live boldly. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Live Boldly with Sarah. I'm excited to have Marilyn this morning because Well, first of all, we have a lot in common. I actually reached out to you, which was, I'm going to tell the story really quick. had no idea really who you were because that's just how I am. I'm like, ooh, I like his energy. He looks cool. I want to actually actually meet this guy. (laughs) Uh, And then we, isn't that great? And then we started talking and I was like, Oh wow, now I know who you are. And you were like, you didn't know? And which is which is I think a power and a testament to uh how we can also operate in this world. If you see somebody and you're like, oh, I want to meet them, go up and have the conversation. It's not that hard. It's not yep. that hard. So I love it. Yeah. And you were so cool. I so I want to dive into a couple of things. What I was talking about before we jumped in is I want, I have a lot of my son's teammates that listen to this podcast. I also have a lot of parents that listen to this podcast. My own kids listen to it. So I want you to speak to athletes, students across the board, anybody that needs to hear the message. That's your message. And then also to the parents, because sports and parenting is something that is a hot topic. But it's not only about sports, it's about leadership, right? How to raise kids to be better leaders in this world. So first, though, I want you to introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit about you. Well, um, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's a
1: big question. It's a loaded question. Since it's about parents and kids, or or there's there's the focus, Um, you know, my journey started, um, the words find a way. Everything that I'm going to talk about surrounds the words and encompasses the words find a way. Um, they help me live a dream, they help me fight to live, and a lot of in-between. Um, but the whole, those words were just supposed to help me live a dream. And and that starts at age eight. So that, that can fit to a lot of the kids that you're going to be watching this. I know they might be older than that, but they, they're not that far removed from eight years old. Nobody, and even the further removed you are from eight, you can still remember age eight and being a kid and... Um, the experiences that you had as a kid and these words find a way our principal as a principal They they've taught me so many principles in my life, but they inspired the one thing that I'll mention many times that we are all responsible for is to take action um, As a kid, I uh, I, I Had a goal board. I had actually an entire wall made of cork. Actually I had my dad make me a wall of cork in a bedroom that um, I was getting and he asked me why. And I was like, well, because I'm gonna put my goals up. And he's like, You need a wall? And I'm like, I need a wall because I had a bunch of goals, you know. I this started age twelve. So that's when I started to put visuals up. And that becomes important for young people, even I mean all people actually, but especially, you know, kids right now. You know, they're searching They're you know, being a young kid, you know, you, you go through so many things, you know, and, and what I think is a young kid, you forget is that you're actually in charge. You know, you feel like you're not in charge because you know, your parents are telling you certain things. Coaches are telling you certain things. Teachers are telling you certain things. Um, and you need to listen to those things, especially when they bring great value. But at the end of the day, you're in charge. You're in charge of how you think. You're in charge of the work you put into things, the effort that goes in to the things that you want to accomplish. Um, and as a kid, I those words helped me do that. They, they put me in charge um, and they helped me um, and they sent me on a journey where I found all kinds of things that I never would have found had I not um went on that journey things from aristotle which i'll get to in a second walter payton that i'll get to in a second chuck No, which i'll get to in a second but these words of i say there's a lot of in between that lot of in between is a lot so you know this is a podcast for parents and kids um find a way also when i talk about um it put me in charge that means you have to take ownership and ownership to me is one of the most powerful things you can ever do, because what ownership does is regardless of the experiences that have happened to you from other people. OK, and this can even be from your own childhood. You know, um, I I had a my parents were my my dad was a tough guy. I mean, my, my parents never put their arms around me, told me they loved me. Um, they didn't. My dad never showed me how to play any sports, and he was a college athlete. He went, he went on a scholarship. He was a great wrestler, great football player. He never, he never played baseball with us. Never played football with us. He didn't do any of those things. Now I got to watch him as a guy who worked hard. You know, there was some value in watching what he what he did, um, but there was not another not a lot of love or support. And I was raised with an iron fist you know, um, make a mistake, you're going to pay for, for that mistake. Now, the reason in sharing that is that that's why probably I see things through a child's eyes more than most adults. Um, When I had kids, then it became full, full circle. You have that moment as a parent where you have to take ownership as breaking chains and ending cycles and not passing it on. And, uh, and that's, these words again come into my life as a parent um they challenged me to self reflect and i think it's important that we all do that at all times and what self reflection is about and what i what i have learned i did it early in my life i didn't realize i was doing it and i learned a little more about it later in life is self reflection is about you and only you and where you have those moments where you're checking on yourself and you ask things like okay are you doing your part um, and this is not a, t- when you self-reflect and you, you know, you ask yourself, if you set a goal and you're, you got a plan, uh, maybe it's not falling into place. That's where you self-reflect and open yourself up and go, okay, what more can I do? Um, what, maybe it is a, maybe take a challenge, listen to my parents a little more, um, listen to my coach where he's saying, maybe I am doing something then, that he's saying that I'm fighting right now, but I could do it. it would make me better. Maybe open me open enough. For that, it's it's not a chance to make excuses. Self reflection is about building resiliency. You would rather have um, build a life of resiliency versus a life of regret. And um, when we don't evolve and we don't grow and we don't try to get better and get the most out of our God given abilities, then we get, we stay stagnant. We we never evolve. And I, I learned to do that at a young age. And I, I, so I go to parenting. Um, when I had my daughter, I I had a moment where I was like, "I'm either going to be just like my dad and my parents, or I'm going to change that." And at that moment, I decided I'm not going to I'm not going to pass that on. I ended that cycle. I broke that chain. But find a way was critical in the self evaluation process. Number one. But it helped me come up with a parenting tool that helped me be a better parent. Um, But it's also been a coaching tool. It's become a business tool, but it all started as a parenting tool. It's the most powerful thing I've ever done. I talk about it in my leadership program, too, in the completion of it, which I'll share today because the completion is important because we have kids and we have parents. Mm -hmm. And uh, the tool first is I judge my kids in the yardsticks of their years and not mine. That gives me two things as a parent all the time: patience and perspective. Now, I started this when they were first born. So, um, and then I've always had that, and I will always use it. I keep, I use it today, um, and I probably have to use it today. My, I'll talk to my kids at some point today, and there might be something comes up where I use that. But as they got older, I started to think. I'm like, wait a minute, my kids can understand that perspective let me share that perspective first of all from a parent so i give this story all the time because it crystallized how important it was for me my son was five years old he came home and he wanted all these he wanted to buy these new um, socks all his buddies have so we go to dicks we buy three pair for $3.99 each we come home his buddies come over they're in the backyard where the basketball court is and the grass is they've been there 15 minutes every parent will identify with this I'm walking through the kitchen. I look out to check on him, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. He's got his shoes off, running around his socks I just bought for $3.99. Like, I'm like, oh, like so what is a parent? At age 35, you've just spent 3 dollars more than that. You've spent about 15 bucks, and he's now going to ruin socks. All I'm thinking is grass stains, holes. And what is he thinking? Like, I can't get to the door fast enough. So I grabbed the doorknob, and that's when – yardsticks of his years, not mine. Patience and perspective come over me. Now he's he's five years old. So I come out, open the door, and I said, hey, Bo, come here. And uh, Bo come running over and those socks I bought for three ninety nine. dollars I said, son, I go, why would you be running around? Because so-? I want to know, I go, why Why you run around in socks that I just bought for $3.99 without your shoes on? And he's like, oh, dad, I'm faster when I do that. Oh. And I'm like, well. And I'm like, I did the same thing. I did the same thing at age five, thinking you take your shoes off, you're lighter, you're faster. This is the way kids think. That's all they know. I'm like, well, actually, that's not true. I go, take your socks off. Let me show you something. He take them off, I flip them around. There's those grass stains I'm showing you about. No holes because I caught him quick enough. And I said, actually, son, you're slower. I know when you take your shoes off, you think your feet are lighter, you think you're faster. I've been there but you're actually slower because you have no traction. So you're sliding on everything. If you want to be faster when you take your shoes off, just take those socks I bought off for three ninety nine, dollars and then you won't slide anymore. He's like, really dad? I said, absolutely, Bo. He's like, hey dad, thanks a lot. Off Bo goes. Now my point at age five, is he going to understand the value of three ninety nine? dollars No. Is he going to understand really um, grass things, holes? Eh, maybe, maybe not. But it's irrelevant to his age. I could spend, you know. I could have spanked him for it. I could have. I could have scared him to death for it. Don't you ever do that again. Which would have happened to me. And I wouldn't have got any. I wouldn't even got a. What are you doing? Or why are you doing it? It would have been. It just would have been over. You and then I, I lived in fear as a kid. And I'm like, I don't want my kids to live in fear. Um, that doesn't mean I get. A, they get away with anything. There's still standards and circumstances. Uh, There's structure uh, that we live by, but that helped me as a parent to not to not abuse that five year old kid who knows nothing about three ninety nine grass stains holes. He's worried about getting faster, period. Now he's fifteen; it's a different conversation. Okay, so anyway, so when he gets when they start getting older into their teens, I started thinking about it, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to share with them how I have tried to parent them what I think of I you know I judged them in the arti of, of their years, not mine it's given me these patience and perspective I've used I used two stories that one for my son and another one for my daughter when when texting became a big thing she ran a bill of like 385 dollars um I'll get to that in a second but keep in mind I had the call I remember we were with T T-Mobile I called T-Mobile and I was like I hey, I think there's something wrong with this phone bill because I got this three phone bill for three hundred fifty nine dollars. It was almost four hundred bucks, right? and I had pages and pages of taxes, and it was all my daughter's. And so I'm talking to this lady. I go, "Hey, I go, how does this texting like this is when it just starts? So when texting just starts, we're all you know they had packages like five hundred yeah. texts. Okay, so yeah. obviously she she blew through that. <laughs> now I'm talking to this lady on the other side, and she's laughing because the same thing happened to her and her kids. Because I'm like she, now. So tell me how this works. He goes, well, here's what your daughter did. She says, hey, to 10 people. Those 10 people say, hey, back. In one word, you have just, you've just had 30, there's 10 out, 20 Texas. She goes, that one word just got her 20 Texas because it went 10 out and it went 10 back. And I'm like, so now I'm thinking, I didn't even know that. So I'm thinking, how can I go get mad at her? when I didn't even know that.
0: Right. So, so right. I, anyway,
1: so I shared that experience, you know, and I talked to her about that. And here's what I did, I put her in charge of it, I explained to her what it, and she never went over again. Like she would tell me many times, hey dad, I'm about over my budget, so I'm gonna turn my phone off for two days. And she became accountable for it, right? So I'm like, now let's just say I take her and spank her for it and tell her how terrible, could you do this stuff? You don't have what $358 is, how could you do that? How, how, just, how fair is that, number one, okay? You don't know what's going on. And then you punish her because she doesn't know what's going on. Anyway, there's just two stories that that parenting tool helped me to teach them. Now, as they got older, they could understand that. I sat them down one day and I was like, I'd like you to judge me in the yardsticks of my years. I've been through junior high, high school, college, the peer pressures that exist, all the circumstances that you deal with. And what I'm trying to do is help navigate you through those. Um, there's going to be things that come up that you might be scared to death. You could be scared to death. Tell me, don't. Come to me and ask me questions about it. Tell me things that are going on that you're confused by, that you're even hearing in school, that your friends are telling you because your friends are not smarter than I am. They might think, you might think they are. They might think that you they're telling you things of great knowledge. Come run up by me. Judge me in the R6 of my years. And what I did is I built a bridge of communication to where um, I always say this when I speak, I've learned more by listening than I've ever learned by talking. And this is a great example of that. So when my kids would come to me, I keep mind as a parent, they're going to tell you things now because you've just opened this communication of freedom. Like they can, they feel comfortable. Um, they can trust you in that. As a parent, you got to be careful that they get share something with you that you would be like, you oh, I mean inside? You're like, oh my gosh! I can't believe they're sharing this with you. Have composure in that situation. You can't lose it and go, what the? You know, and lose your mind on it because then you're gonna lose that trust. You gotta have composure in how you handle it and ask them questions to get a little more information on it. But what what I'm getting at is, it just built a great bridge of communication with them, in that I would share things with them and they received it better. Um, I would listen to them when they talked, and I would understand it better. Um, and I've done that in coaching. I've done that in, in business, and it is—it's just been—it's been powerful. You know, it's been powerful with my kids. Um, my daughter's 29. My son's 25 now. She's got four grandbabies. My daughter, my son doesn't have um, any kids, but he's married. But our well, the way we talk today is—I mean, it is open. It's honest. They tell you know, they call me with all kinds of things. And, and I still, you know, I, I, I've been through being a parent, you know, and dealing with kids so I can help my daughter and her, her husband. Um, And I just, you know, I I love that. I I tell people and I just got done in Chicago speaking at a law firm summit on leadership. And I'm like, you know, one of the greatest leadership roles, Anybody will ever have the greatest leadership role, I should say, is being a parent. If you have kids, I don't care how big your company is. I don't care how many people um, you're leading are in your company. Being a parent is the greatest leadership role you will ever play, period. It can never exceed that, you know, and how we how we lead our kids and how we guide our kids um, and how we influence and help them is a vital component of great leadership and great success and this communication thing has been a big part of something I learned as a parent and that has helped me transition it to all other types of environments and then the last thing I told you building a bridge of communication has been I mean the value in it is indescribable but you know what I found out um, in this whole thing Sarah I don't care how well you can pontificate. I don't care how great you can talk. I don't care what your messaging is. What they see you do will outweigh what they hear you say if it is different. Modeling is powerful. Mm -hmm. I bet you nine out of ten times anything my kids refer something back to what um, influenced them or affected them was what they saw me do. Not what they heard me say. Now, I'm not minimizing that bridge of communication. That's so important. It is. That just opens things up to be more influential, but then be careful on the modeling. Um, That right there, what they see you do, how they see you do it will be the most powerful thing. And that's true in any leadership role. You can get up in front of people and you can pontificate, tell them. You can give them a dissertation that would, I mean, set the world on fire. And if they see you act the opposite, what they see, well, I'll do what they just heard on uh, every environment. That is true. So, um, and I'm, I'm just lucky to, unfortunately, I learned those things later because my kids start sharing things with me. And I'm like, when did you, she goes, Oh dad, I just saw you do it. I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Almost everything is, oh, I saw you do that. He goes, and I was always surprised Dad, that when I, when this would happen, you never, you never got mad or you never said anything bad about the other person. And I was like, wow. I mean, now I had no business, you know, even if I felt bad, if I wanted to say something bad about it, like I wouldn't do that for my kids. Right. Right. So I would never, I'd never bring certain things that, that no, my kids have no business I have no business sharing things, you know, business-wise or personal things about other people to my kids. You just there's no um there's no value in that. It's um it actually can be much more disturbing and harmful if you do that to your kids. It'll be very confusing to them too, especially if it's the opposite of what you've just said or who they what you've said you are. If they hear you say stuff like that, um uh, like I'll be, I, like my daughter, my I, my son, I used to work out all the time because I mean he started playing sports. Like the day he was born. And so I coached him in everything and at every level till he went into high school. And um, he went to all kinds of camps. My daughter was more of a theater and, and drama and acting. She played soccer, which I coached her there for a while. But she lasted for a couple of years. Somebody hit her in the face with a ball. And if somebody were to kick the ball two fields away, she'd flinch. That's how bad wow. it affected her. It like She didn't want to play soccer ever again. But she theatrically was gifted. And I loved that world because it was a different world for me. Um, but during my chemotherapy treatment, when I had cancer, I would I train in the morning. I would train. I would do – I kept my routine. Um, there's a long story to that, but I'd keep my routine. A part of that, was playing a basketball league and training like I normally did. Do you know my daughter who actually teaches a spin class – Um, also she does, um, oh, she just went and signed up for some other class. Somebody wanted her teach and she's really, I mean, she invests in her health and she does a great job of taking care. So she got that example from watching me train during my chemotherapy. That's what stood out in her mind that that was like one of so many examples I've heard from my kids. And I was like, wow, I, you know, you didn't even, I didn't even know that like during that whole process, how this little nine-year-old is registering I'm working out right after my treatment and how that impacted her. You know, that's why – it's just one example of powerful how modeling is so powerful. Um, and building that bridge of communication is still uh, – and, and that, that applies in every aspect. Uh, you know, when I – I've led hundreds of coaches, thousands of athletes. I've been in the chairman of the board and shoot foundations where, like, if you hear the, the CHIP program, it's one of the biggest um, – insurance biggest government insurance programs in the country was created um i was part of that creation in western pennsylvania the government took the program from us but that started in western pennsylvania Um, and i was chairman of the board we've done stuff like that i've got programs in the nfl that i've helped uh, put together and lead but you have when you lead you know i tell people the um the definition of leadership people oftentimes forget it is the ability to influence and guide you know, leadership is not about dictation, um, and when you dictate, um, you're the antithesis of a leader. Quite honestly, um, leaders influence. You know, uh, and influence, um, and then leaders guide. Well, what's the best way to guide? What they see you do, how they see you do it. You know, and influencing. I I, I think that's always about communication you know, helping people understand and talk to them and having patience with that that perspective, having their perspective versus your perspective. And that bridge of communication does that. Those two things, I think, have been most critical um, in my role as a parent. Um, they have transformed into all the coaching. And I've coached kids from eight to 38. I've coached youth football. I ran an entire league and was the head coach of professional athletes. So I know that spectrum and honestly I've used them in every level because they're valuable at every level. They work at every level. They're important at every level, you know? Um, but I talked, you know, when I saw this, I talked about like, we still have structure. There's still like, you have to establish the type of culture that you want in your environment and you should never make that a mystery that should be upfront and forward right off the bat. So here, here's my culture this is the culture that I want. It's the mindset I want created by everybody. It sits on my desk. It's going to be on a wall somewhere where you could see it when you walk in, whether it's your office or whether it's a room. And it's, don't give me excuse, excuses, right. bring me solutions. Yeah. what that does, what that does from the very start is it eliminates you pointing fingers casting blame and making excuses because that's toxic no success has ever come from there nobody who is a true peaceful successful person or company does that you cannot do that and be successful so it eliminates that so that just takes it right off your plate and you know I really started learning that from in uh <laughs> coaching youth football youth football is the greatest thing i ever coached i coached eight to 18 for like 25 years running the camps and coaching my own son and thousands of kids is just, it's just, it's just funny how kids, man, they start off making excuses, oh, everything, yeah. everything. And I was like, I don't, so I would just, I'd start listening to him. I'm like, what are you giving me? Cause I'd already established this culture. I'd let him go on for a few minutes. I'm like, I go, what are you giving me right now? Just, to, just tell me what you're giving me. Excuses. I mean, they know it. They already know yeah. it. They're like, yeah. they're like, that's what I love about kids too. Cause they're honest. Cause yeah. they, you know, they go, well, you, they don't try to justify it. They're like, I'm giving you excuses. Okay. So you've just wasted my time. Now tell me, how can we solve this? What's your plan? What's your thought process? And I like to get kids find a way has been a tool for me because you want the other person involved, engaged in the process of change um, and how we're going to get better. And what are your thoughts? Um, and I'm not going to say it always works that way, but it does help sometimes when they can think of it, because when they come up with it, that's their idea. Right. And sometimes that their idea is going to be equivalent to what you're thinking or better because it's their idea. And I'm like, well, if you came up with then in my head, it's like they come up with that idea. They may, by, might be more inclined to stick with their idea than my idea. And that's pretty close to what I was going to do. So I stick with their idea. And I'm, and I'm telling you, I've had more success with that versus saying, well, no, ignore that. Here's what we're going to do. Now, sometimes there is that, their idea is bad. <laughs> It's a good try, but it's not. That's not going to change things. This is what has to happen. But anytime you can get that person to come up with the solution, and they already know it, you know, then there you 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 got growth and you got ownership, right? And you got all the things that that you want um, from from people and how they can grow. And you know, the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you um, fire away in a different direction. I I tell people all the time that um, nobody is going to hand us an award for working on the personal things in our life. You know, we're not going to get a trophy that we put up there. And they said, they recognize me for working on the personal things, or my personal goals. Uh, You get something better than that. You get rewarded. You get rewarded with things like peace, joy, and personal success. And when I say personal success, personal success is when we can go to that moment of self-reflection. You open up yourself at the end of some journey, at the end of some goal or deadline or obstacle or challenge, and you can say, I did my part. Like you could, if you can honestly go look in the mirror and go, I got everything out of my God given ability. I did everything I could to change the circumstances, did everything within my control. Have peace. Just have peace with that. Now, that doesn't mean you ended up being the greatest of all time. You might not. In my, and you know what? You might not have even got what you initially went out to get, but you did your part. And there's nothing more that you can ask in life than that and have peace with that, wherever that goes. That should give you peace. It's when you build a life of regret that you didn't give everything that you had. You didn't do, and that's why self reflection to me is so important because you can't lie to yourself. You know the truth of yourself. And that's why nobody else weighs in on this. You don't seek somebody else's opinion because that opinion is going to be so skewed. You know, they're playing with their own emotions and their own feelings and their own observations. Well, that's it's irrelevant. I don't care how close they are to you. You. Right. Just you. And if you could say, you know what I did, I um in all fairness, I did everything I possibly could.
0: Are you looking to bring a little more happiness into your life or wanna learn how to step outside your comfort zone? Guess what? Our digital downloadable programs are only $39 just for a limited time. Go grab Unstuck and Free, How to Live Outside Your Comfort Zone, filmed in the mountains of Southern California, Mount Baldy to be exact, my favorite mountain, or go grab Seven Steps to Happiness. This is filmed on the High Sierra Loop in Yosemite National Park. Incredible, incredible visuals. These programs will take you to that next step and rise you into living your best life. Use the coupon code LIVEBOLDLY at checkout, L-I-V-E-B-O-L-D-L-Y. Go grab them, SarahShiltonKranz.com, underneath more and digital programs. This is why I wanted to have this conversation with you, because even when I asked you straight up, like, who who is Merrill, And the thing that I love about you is that you show up as you. It's not the titles, it's not the labels, it's not the things, it's not the, I accomplished this, this, and this. It gets to the core of who you are as a human being. That's what I love. That's why oh, I, like, I want to have that conversation because it who, who cares? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, when we close our eyes and we leave this earth, what do we care most about? It's about the impact that we leave mm-hmm. as a values-driven human being. Yeah. Walking the walk, walking the talk, and not just saying... But and doing it and showing it and mentoring. I literally last week in LinkedIn wrote this. My post was literally about this the greatest leadership lesson that I have had. They're the greatest greatest leadership role that I have had has been as a mom. And it's to me that's been that's taught me more. I mean, I've got kids from 32 to, to 17, and I have parented very differently my 17 year old than I have my 32 year old. And why? Because. I've learned and done that self-awareness piece as well. There's a lot of things that I would never ever do with my 17 year old that I did with my 32 year old. Right. It's very, and I, and I ownership on that, take ownership on that. I want to ask you a really um, <clears throat> a question uh, that I did a podcast episode earlier on this and my kids like, you know, the, my middle ones, uh, plays water polo for USC. He's co-captain of the team and my younger one is, uh, my oldest one is actually theater. He not, well, he wasn't theater, but he was a more musician, um, okay. anything. So, and then my youngest one is uh, basketball and he wants to play in college. And when I was going through my divorce, um, when everything imploded in my family, the thing that I used for their, that I encouraged them to use as their therapy was sports. Find that thing, that gift that you are really good at, right. And use that to shift the mindset shift the perspective to be able to focus on something that is great in life that you are good at that you love that brings you joy during those moments of hardship that our own family was going through and so can we speak to that uh for parents right now when you,
1: when you mentioned those you know struggles challenges you know and where does sports theater activities have a role um I think they're critical in helping people, especially young people, build resiliency. Yes. Um, working through tough times. So, you know, sports and activities like theater are where you have activities you can go to. I really find them as sanctuaries, sanctuaries mm-hmm. for um, trouble in the home, issues elsewhere. You know, I'm actually writing a book right now um, titled ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And, that is everybody, it it would apply to everybody. Everybody has, has, has grown up with some type of ACEs. Um, and there's, there's environment ACEs in the home. And then there's external advice, uh, ACEs outside the home, um, internal stuff are things like, um, death, divorce, you know, neglect, things like that. And where I really identified with it, was writing my book, Brainwashed, when I started finding out, you know, really the emotional trauma that exists in all of us that exist. And if you don't have ways of repairing that and rectifying and working through it, you can harbor that. And you can do what I just talked about earlier. You, you cannot break the chain or in the cycle, you could pass it on, which is even more troublesome, you right. know, not that it just happened to you. And that's why I've always struggled. Like, you know, that subject is important and it's powerful in helping people recognize it, but then how to rectify it, you Mm -hmm. know? And um, the younger that you can identify it, it's just, it's like, it's easier to put out a campfire than a forest fire. So the the, the younger, young kids can recognize those things and help find things to help them work through those issues, build up that resiliency, um, work through that trauma. So like when my mom died, I'll give you a great example. When I was a young kid, she tragically dies. Man, I mean, I can. That, this has been almost forty years ago, and I can still go back to that moment of watching on July Fourth, seeing her come out of the house on a gurney, and to never, ever talk to her again, and it just. Tra- I mean, it is the sting of death is um, was real in my life. Now, everything changes. Everything changes in your life. Um, and really, wreck, kind of wrecked our home. I mean, my dad remarried, moved on shortly after that, and um, and he said, "I can't blend two whole two families. You guys are on your own." And so, but what football gave me was a, a sanctuary to go to, and three hours of peace, where I didn't let you know. I didn't have you know. It wasn't as heavy on me. You know, it was kind of. It's always kind of there. You know. And, Then during the season, every time you you know that my mom's seat was left empty, and that was you know you'd see that every time. But I got away from it, and I and I was and it helped me heal wounds and work through just some awful pain. Had I not had that, okay? Now I ran. I was part of what I told you about the chip program the government took from us earlier on. Okay, we lost our mission. Well, we developed what we called. I should say Charlie Lavalley. That name nobody made know in this on this call. If they do, they know how what I'm talking about. He just was an incre- he's an incredible human being. His son tragically passed away right after we lost that program. Well, my this has been my mom been dead for almost ten years at that point, and so he asked me where I went, I mean, where did I get help? And I was like, well, Charlie, I didn't go anywhere. I mean, there's no help. I had no no help. I don't know what you mean. He goes. We got to do something about that. So we ev- took because we had no mission. We created what was called the Caring Place, and I became the chairman of that um, foundation for almost 25 years. Where it's a grieving center in Western Pennsylvania called it, it's the Highmark Caring Place. We have four centers: one in Pittsburgh, two in Pittsburgh, um, one in the city, one on outside Harrisburg and Erie. Um, and it's it's a sanctuary for families because the grieving process there is no. There's no timetable to that. And that's what's so dangerous when somebody loses somebody if you've never experienced the sting of death. We have kids in school where teachers are like, it's been six months. You're not yeah. over it. Like, I'm going to say, like, they didn't say that. Like, who says that? I Every now and then I'll get in conversations about who do you look for businesses. It doesn't matter who it is. It could be IBM, AT&T, um, you name it um, New York life insurance, you name it. Um, and I asked people like when you're looking for, you know, college graduates or people that are to hire, what, what are some of the things that you look for? I know there's certain things, you know, that, you know, maybe what, what school they went to graduated. A lot of them, a majority of them are like, did they compete in sports? You know, mm-hmm. did they do some type of, some type of sport, so that they understand structure they understand working with people they understand responsibility and just all these things that are important in life and in other businesses you know when i you know, you, you do it too uh, you i you you do it too sarah when you go and you speak and you learn about these companies and what are they trying to build you know it's it's nothing more than, or it's the same as sports yeah. you're trying to build teams you're trying to be successful you're trying to get better dealing with setbacks you're dealing with change you're dealing with all these things how do we plow our way through that how do we evolve and get better um there is one last thing i want to share i think in in sports and this is more for the athlete um and this is probably one of the most powerful things i've ever heard and most important thing uh, i've ever heard when you're trying to evolve and get better um and this came from chuck knoll who is the only coach in NFL history to win four Super Bowls in five years. If you took at the, look at the Mount Rushmore, there's probably about three or four of them. He's one of them. One of the greatest leaders I've ever been around, one of the greatest men I've ever been around. I am not who I am without coming across his path for five years and playing for him and listening to him. But it was my rookie year, and he came up in front of the team, and he, he had all the rookies come in. It was about a week into camp, and he said, hey, do you know how, do you, know how, you, do you, know how you make this team? You get better. Do you know how you get better? He goes, how many people go out and work on all the things they're really good at? Everybody raise their hand. Now, let me ask you, who goes out to practice early, stays late, and they work on the things they're not good at? He goes, I don't see any of you. And, man, it. it now, I was one of those players, okay? There were some things I didn't do well. I went out early. I stayed late. I tried to get – other players to help me that were really good at it that I wasn't good at it, um, like running these option routes I wasn't really good at. It. I wanted to get better at it. It's just one subject. Well, when he's telling this, I'm like, oh, he's giving the secret away. I'm like, oh man, I'm just in my back of my head. I'm like, gosh, dang it. Well, then he tells this story about Donnie Shell, Donnie Shell, who I, who was locker next to me. And it was his last year. He just went into the Hall of Fame, okay? He was the standard in the NFL. He's the greatest striker in the history of our game. People that are football fans, uh, he ended Earl Campbell's career um, in a playoff game. He was the beginning of end of Earl Campbell. He was the standard before Ronnie Lott and all these other safeties that we hear about. That's how far back. that, that He was a free agent. He couldn't catch. He had bricks for hands, okay? He couldn't catch a ball but that guy went out a half hour before practice and a half hour after practice and he worked with receivers he worked with the jugs to catch balls catch balls catch balls he could hit he could tackle he was smart but he lacked the ability to catch a football now you might not think that's important from a defensive back perspective right. okay well he ends up having um, still a super bowl record for the super bowl record for the most interceptions by a safety in NFL history Because that weakness became a strength. And so that's ultimately what's going to separate you is your weakness. It's not your strength. It is the weakness in you that will define you. And if you will be committed to working on it. So he tells a story. Let me finish with the story first. He tells a story. How How many players do you think are out before practice, a half hour before practice? Every one of them. Do you know how many stayed after practice? Every one of them. Seven days later, do you know how many players were out early before practice and stayed late after practice? The same group that was there before that message were there after it. You can't just do it when it's convenient for you. You can't do it when it works for you. You don't do it when you want to and on occasion. If you want to be great, if you want to really separate yourself from other people. I learned this from Walter Payton. This is what made Walter Payton the greatest player to ever play in the National Football League. He had a mindset. When he was asked, what makes you better than everybody else? He said, I want it more than they do. Every day of the week. In the offseason, when I go run that dirt hill at 6 o'clock in the morning that nobody wants to go with me on, I want it more than they do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. During the season when there's not 65,000 fans in the stands screaming and yelling for me, cameras aren't rolling, I want it more than they do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Then at 1 o'clock on Sunday when you see me, I want it more than they do. So 99% of the time, Walter Payton has made a commitment to be relentless, to being great and working when nobody knows about it. Nobody's screaming for him. And then at one o'clock for two or three hours, you get to see him. And that's the only time you get to see him. You don't get to see all the other work. You don't see the other arduous things being done to make him great. But that commitment of every day is a mindset anybody and everybody can use. That is a choice. That is a pattern. That is a habit that can be developed in any format, applied to anything. I don't care about your dream, your goal, or your challenge or deadline.
0: I will say, too, that parents, I get asked this a lot about parenting. I said parenting is not simply when you're in your kid's face. Parenting is behind the scenes as well. It's all of the things, the modeling that comes in, the discussions mm-hmm. that you're having, the conversations that you're having with other people, with their coaches, with their teachers, with how you're walking in your every single day that also matters most when you are in front of them, actually, with your children, right? <laughs> parenting them. I think it's, it's, it's something that we so often forget if it's in leadership, if it's in parenting, if it's in teaching, whatever it is in coaching, that it's behind the scenes as well. It's not only when you're in front of people, it's all of the, and this is, as I was telling my kids and and my kids' teammates on, and we are driving there this weekend. I said, you've, you've been practicing and practicing and practicing. You, you've prepared for this, right? It's in the preparation that matters just as much as it does in the game.
1: That's that's another I think um, challenge for a lot of people because you know you always wonder you know did I do enough you know um, can, you know is it enough am I good enough you know you're always going to have those questions yeah I, I when I listen in every level of sports I've played in you know, those are legitimate fair things to ask yourself what I started to do. Is I started to realize, you know, like, especially people get caught up on, um, God, he works out for two hours. Here's what I started to realize. I was like, then he needs it. Okay. Um, I need an hour and 20 or whatever it is. I go, when I coach kids, I was like, listen, um, we need an hour and a half of practice. Okay. This hour and a half of practice is exactly what we need to get us ready. It will prepare us. We will be completely prepared. Now they might do it in an hour. Good for them. They need an hour. We need an hour and a half. They might do it in two hours. Irrelevant to us. Yeah. Irrelevant to us. We need an hour and a half. As long as we put in the proper work and we do what we need to do to get ready, we'll be ready. Okay? Let's not get caught up in what everybody else is doing. Okay? It's irrelevant to us. They're completely different than us. All right? Their structure is different. Okay? This is what will get us better. So I've taken it to a personal thing, too. I I knew what was going to get me better. I knew what I had to do. In fact, I had to tone things down. Quite honestly, I—I I mean, um, you might remember the day, you know, an age where you know, like you go to your drop, you work until you know the sun goes down, you know, and that—that's just what they knew back then. It's just unfortunate the lack of information that they had. There, there is three components to perfect health. Do you know what those three things are? i'm well, not gonna put you on the spot but i'll i'll let you guess if you want
0: if and I, I would definitely i mean there's three keys to mental health there's movement right there's the physical piece there's the e- emotional uh, i mean this is i'm thinking of my own self right the yeah. emotional side of it where instead of compartmentalizing your emotions we're allowing them to rise i use my emotions a lot in the work that i do uh personally and professionally and then there's that mental space you have to okay. be able you have to be able to have mental resilience and it's all resiliency. It's all physical resiliency, mental resiliency, emotional resiliency.
1: Right. So you've you 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 actually encompassed one third of it. Okay. Oh, that's great. That's right. What that's else what, is there? Okay. <laughs> it's so, awesome. Well you, you one third is 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 the actual body, you know, how right. you train it physically and mentally and all those things. I and mean, there's there's a lot to that third, but that's one third. And then the other third is how you feed the body, and the nutrition oh, that you course. give right yeah, yeah. and then the other third is rest oh, and rest right. is a vital component in everything. so <laughs> oh, right well but most people don't listen listen professional athletes that they they'll get all oh, you take care of yourself mentally physically emotionally, you move you train you yeah and yeah, then, yeah. boy eat right eat right eat right and' they're like well what else well what else is there well okay, rest okay if you're gonna do all if you're gonna do all these great things for your body at what point? Are you going to let it recover? Yeah, recovery is vital, and I mean, and I was, I was just, I mean, I was just like most people, like you train, 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 eat, 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 and go, 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 go. Um, It wasn't until I realized the value and the importance of rest and training your body. If you want optimum health, you train your body to a certain degree where you don't go over what you need, where you've challenged it. Because listen, our body is built of two components, endurance and strength. So challenging those two areas, heart, mind, is refreshing. But you can only take, you only need to take, like the heart rate, the maximum heart rate is 220, period. Okay? Then to train properly, you want to, you know, if you're a 20-year-old kid, you want to be at a 90 percentile. So your maximum heart rate, you take 220, 20 minus 220, you got 200. So your maximum heart rate... Spiking would be 190. Okay. Well, you don't want to go to 220. That's just, that's actually, that's dangerous. And that is, that, that those things are harmful. So going beyond it is not smart. Okay. That is dangerous. Right. And so understanding what, where to take your limits to are important to know that. Even, you know, emotionally and mentally, those things are important and refreshing. But at some point, you need just rest yeah. from all of that, yes. you know. And when you learn that, you know, I mean, it took me a long time. Like I had open heart surgery because of that stupidity. That two twenty. The reason I use that two twenty because I would push it. When you talk about, well, you go till you drop. I would. That's how I thought. That's how we trained back then. Nobody knew. I mean, I'd had people check my heart rate, and I was at two twenty eight, two twenty nine. They're like, oh my gosh, we got to shut you down. And I just, and that, that's just, that's just stupid. Now, back then, I didn't know any better. You know, nobody had heart monitors. That's a trainer doing this to me. Um, Didn't have the heart monitors that gauged all of your energy and monitored that. You know, I hear people, you know, that didn't have any of that. They're like, oh, we didn't do that. Eh, Well, we didn't because we didn't know it. But the value in it, that's the the same group that, like, you didn't drink water because, you know, we're tough. Okay. No, that's really stupid. Okay. That's just... That's just absolute ignorance. I mean, you reason that you must, the body needs hydrated. If you want to maximize your abilities, take care of your body and you need to carry it in this circumference. You know, it's not, when I say body, people tend to think that it's, the mind's not a part of that.
0: The mind
1: is being a part of that whole process that we just talked about. The whole process.
0: Um, so, this is it, it's it's I'm thank you for that it's totally schooled me on this one. Uh, it's when I lead retreats in the Grand Canyon with my because I that's what I also do as you know, I take people down into the Grand Canyon in Alaska and we're we're all yeah. well, the emotional, the mental, the physical. And then every single time we come out and they're like, why am I so tired? and what i explained to them is that it's not simply the movement it's not simply the physical it's because you've literally worked yourself so much emotionally mentally and also spiritually and you do have to give yourself some rest from that it's exhausting it's exhausting working through all the all of that well, and also eating is 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 key and that's something that that i think that we so often underestimate as well you got to feed your body in every way healthy healthy
1: you're right. Well, listen. What the, the the big most the biggest organ in our body is our brain. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the the nutritional component needed most for it to have best energy, best production, best fire uh resiliency is fats. Now, proper fats. Proper. You know, um, but that's our brain feeds off fat. Our internal organs function off good fats. I mean, without fat. You know, people, oh, I don't want to eat fat. Well, well, now be careful on that because you need fat. I mean, fat is the, like there's, I mean, if you think nutrition, that you if you built your model around this, your snacks and your meals around uh, protein, fat, and fiber, if that was your foundational build of everything that you ate, you would do immense things for your body in every layer of health. You know, brain health, cardiovascular disease, lung, kidney function, um, blood flow, energy, vibrancy, you, everything. If you just avoided sugar and simple carbs, yeah. you know, you need some carbs, but you do those other proper things proper. You're going to get your, your carbs. If you built everything around fat, fiber, and protein, and that's mm-hmm. how you snack. That's how you eat. The, the, mm-hmm. are these respects to that? And the way you feed it, well, you crazy. The difference that it gives your overall health.
0: I want to respect time here for you as well. Uh, sure. This has been amazing. I am so, like, I could just keep having conversations with you all day, every day. Uh, you mentioned the Aristotle quote. Will you yeah. give it to us? Uh, sure. I want to leave you with one other question that I'd like you to answer as well afterwards.
1: Okay. This is actually a good way to end because... This right here was the first thing I discovered on my journey. You know, these words inspired me to take action. So they sent me on a journey. I was actually searching for, like I was thinking at the time, my goal was to play in the National Football League. So who's good at it? Who could I learn from? I'm like, my favorite player is Walter Payton.
0: I love so Walter, this, by the way. Like, you're, My dad's going to go crazy over this one because he loves yeah. Walter Payton.
1: Walter Payton was my idol. Now this is in 1977. So I have a painted picture now of 1977 because, um, a lot of the, your audience, okay. They weren't even close to being around in 1977. Some will, some won't. So the best way, like, okay, this piece of glass right here that everybody has that used to be bolted onto a wall. And there's a cable attached to it. And the only thing you could do is call people. Okay. So that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the only thing you could do a phone with. Okay. It isn't like the access. So if you wanted to go get information, like you had to go to the library. Yeah. That was legitimately the only way or place you could go. You were not going to find it in the encyclopedia or, and you weren't going to be able to call somebody and go, Hey, can you give me the Google search? Yeah. You couldn't text FaceTime, Google. Okay. None of that was existed. You like That's right. Cause some people are like, well, why, why didn't you just, I went to the library for a reason to find things on Walter Payton. And um, I tell people all the time, I'm a C student. I worked hard at being a C student. So when certain things happen and you'd be like, well, that's not very smart. You just use that C student thing. It clears everything up for you. But even a C student, um, I'm smart enough to go to the library and I ask for help. I was like, I'm looking for Walter Payton. Could you tell me where to go? Ironically, because, I, you know, I – I, I speak, I like this, because I I, used, I thought they were podiums. I walked by these, because she points to these machines, and I'm like, well, I thought those were podiums. You know, I didn't know there were a machine over there. She goes, yeah, if you'll sit down at that machine, you're going to find things about Walter Payton a lot quicker than wandering around this library. So I sat down, and I'm just looking for Walter Payton. Obviously, I don't know how to execute the machine, because I come across a guy named Aristotle. I don't even know, sir, I don't even know, I don't even know, who aristotle is i, I don't know what because i use this in my presentation and i mean i'm very honest and genuine i don't know who he is and well, even to this day i don't even know why i chose to read the things he he had written but the more i read
0: yeah the more
1: the more interested i become and i'm like I, I keep reading i keep reading and then i get to this quote it becomes the foundation of my journey it is still the foundation of my life and it is true for everybody You are what you repeatedly do. Excellence then is not an act, but a habit. Mm. You are what you repeatedly do. Now, think of just the ownership and power in that. That that shouldn't scare you. That should empower you. You have the ability to create your mindset, to develop habits, to write down goals visually. You're in charge of that. That's your responsibility. Nobody can take that from you. You are what you repeatedly do. So every time you get up in the morning, you're in charge of you, how you think, how you operate, what you work on, what you do. Every single day will matter if you put the proper plan into place to where you're going. And that's different for everybody. But you get to do that. You are what you repeatedly do. That is still the most powerful thing I've ever read. It gave me hope because at that time I was trying to play in the National Football League. Here's what I did. I wrote it down. I went home and put on that cork wall I had. And I'm like, I got hope now. I found hope in those words because I like I knew I didn't have room for air. But I'm like, man, if I wake up every day and I try to get better every day at this, I try to evolve and work on being the best football player I can be. I got a shot. Now, at that age, it was like I said I'm a C student. I had to work hard at being a C student because at that time I'm an F student. I said well, I better start working on being a better student because you know F's ain't going to get you to where you got to go. You know, but it trans—it permeated in my entire life that every day thing, just every day, um, and that mindset that you're in charge of that was and is the greatest thing I have ever read. I still, I mean, I don't need to read it because I have it in my head. It's imprinted in my head, but it sat on my wall for nearly really a decade.
0: So I'm turning 50 this year. I told you that at a different time we were talking. And I am finding that as I'm aging, it's becoming so much more fun. And it's yeah. freeing. It's freeing. There's peace that I didn't have when I was younger. And there is this possibility and open openness to just life, right? To living that I didn't have when I was younger. And it's exactly because of what you just said. Uh, You know, there's this space of resilience and that's what I speak on as well, versus regret. And the one thing that I will not do when I take this last breath on this earth is go into that space of regretting everything that I didn't do. And instead looking at, wow, look at all of the experiences and memories that I have created while I've been here. The fact that you're like, I don't even know how I found him or didn't know who he was. And when I was, when I was scrolling, right. And I found you and I was like, Ooh, I want to have a conversation with him. There's just this, there's this, I think when you open yourself up to really good people. Right. And when you open yourself up to the people that are creating the impact in this world, and it's not about, it's not about the force, right. Of, of, like forcing people to be a certain way, or it's not about the, as you mentioned earlier, right. Like with your dad, it's about the guiding and the leading in a way that is true North centered of what we need more of in this world. It's that.
1: Well, I, you know, I'll, I'll leave you with this. Cause I, I believe that what well, is true that and nobody can will be able to tell me it's not true. Nobody is ever going to change somebody's mind. Now, nobody has that right. Nobody has the power to do that, but you can't open people's mind. And that mm-hmm. is the only thing I'm interested in doing is ever opening people's mind. And then they take whatever they see fit and apply it the way they see fit. You yes. know, I mean, listen, Walter Payton didn't say, hey, listen, I do it every day. You need to do it every day. I "I saw him do that. I read him doing that. I witnessed him do that. Okay. Aristotle wasn't alive. He didn't sit there and go, Meryl, never, you know, you are what you were <laughs> I read it, and I took it, and I applied it to my life. And people that hear that or go read it, it can take it and apply it to your life any way you see fit. Yeah, That's what it is it's about. It is not about how I see fit because I don't know you. I mean, but I do know this. If it can help you, man, use it. Use it and apply it.
0: I agree. I'm gonna share something with you that I don't talk about. <laughs> You're yeah. gonna like this. So why the why Walter Payton was so big. Um, in my dad's my dad is from Illinois, my family. And so they were huge Bears fans, right? And um, my dad used to go to the training camps and he'd watch them and he loved learning through their behavior and how they were working on the field. And my dad came home one day. With a t-shirt that said honey bear and remember that's when they had the honey bears the Leaders. remember that mm. Ah, a long time ago and uh he gave me this t-shirt and he said you are forever and always my honey bear and so <laughs> no, my that's dad, awesome isn't that awesome so my dad calls me his honey bear i'm gonna start to cry and um he literally because i'm his only daughter as well mm-hmm. and he uh that's what he, that's what he he'll he'll send me messages Hey, honey bear, how are you doing this morning? And, um, and it's our little, it's our little thing. So that's uh, why I also have this thing with Walter Payton, because that's, that was the connection of, 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 um, actually, and I still have that t-shirt and yes, I still wear it every once in a while. And I was young. I was, I was about uh, eight years old actually, or nine or something like that, 10, something like that, but well, it's a young girl. She,
1: that's a, that's actually beautiful. And it's obviously yeah. it tells you how impactful you know, even at age eight. Yep.
0: Yep. How yep. Can be? It's it awesome, be. Sarah. That's I what glad I'm glad you share that. Thank you. And that's actually, I was debating on, do I get, my dad used to say, walk the walk or walk the talk. That was always his motto. And so, and I have a tattoo of my mom's handwriting in the word forgive. And so now I'm, I'm debating with my dad. I'm like, right. Isn't that great. I'm debating with my dad. There you go. It says, forgive my mom's handwriting. And so I'm debating. I'm like, do I want to, do I want to get a tattoo that says honey bear in his handwriting or walk the talk? I'm not sure yet. I haven't figured it out, but one of them. I'd I don't go unique.
1: I'd go, I'd go unique. Honey bear. That's only. I, I, you know that's that.
0: actually where I'm leaning towards. That's where yes. I'm leaning towards. I'm leaning towards honey bear because that's, mm-hmm. that's,
1: that's, that's your personal that, deal. That, that That's personal. where I'd go with
0: it. But, yep. In his handwriting. He doesn't know it yet. I'm going to, I'm going to grab one of them that he's written to me and have it done and then show it to him. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's
1: even better. You can't do that the other way. Exactly. You've made your decision. (laughs) It's been an
0: absolute pleasure having you on. Thank you. You're going to help so many people with this podcast, with this uh, conversation that we've had. You're an incredible man. I truly, truly am blessed to have sat here with you and had this Monday morning conversation. So thank you. And Thank you.
1: My pleasure, Sarah. You made my week.
0: So thank thank you you so much for having me. We will continue on another time. That I know. That's a deal. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm grateful to have you here. I believe in you, I believe in us, and always will. Life can get hard, but I promise you, on the other side, it's glorious. I'd love to invite you over to SarahSultoncranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to thriver. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now to grow this podcast please leave an itunes review and subscribe go find it on other platforms such as iheartradio google play spotify and stitcher please also go to my instagram or facebook page leave a message in my comments and tell me what you think of this episode please share in your stories and tag me i'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey i love hearing from each one of you let's keep the ripple going it begins with each one of us i love you and have a great day